Hello and welcome to another episode of Forgotten Cello Music. This is Traveling Cello. I'm Aaron. Today on the episode, The Violin Cello and Its History, that's the title of the book it's coming from, and it's specifically the introduction, The Viola da Gamba. But before I begin, I just want to go through a few things that I don't normally do. I'm still trying to get used to being um, a creator of content and uh, making it something that is more interesting, that's maybe even palatable to somebody other than myself. Before you click away, please skip ahead to about six and a half minutes into this episode. Uh, at this time, I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about some thoughts I've had and expressing some thanks. So I thought I would just go over the interests that I have. This forgotten cello music, the title really does sum up my interests in cello music. Yes, yes, I, I love the music of the great composers, at least the, the ones that we say are great, like Bach's uh, Six Suites for Cello, Beethoven's Cello Sonatas, Schumann's Cello Concerto, Cezanne's The Swan, I mean, I, I love all of this music. Don't get me wrong. This project is just kind of a... Not kind of. It really is a special interest of mine. This is a desire to hear music that most of us don't bother with. Or, indeed, we have... You have no clue of its existence. I'm going for something that's a little more interactive, interesting. Um, I'm working on the interesting part. So bear with me, and thank you for those that continue to listen. I do hope that more people are getting interested, and there is a passive way of uh, listening. You can just put on a podcast episode and um, walk away, let it run. Um, it's playing in the background. You might hear a few things, and you might think, oh, that's interesting. Anyway, go to Spotify or Anchor.fm. Any a number of plays help me earn a few uh, pennies. Not a few pennies. I said that wrong. <laughs> like a percentage of a, print, a penny. Like a minuscule amount. So it takes thousands and thousands of, of plays to earn any sort of even a meager uh, wage. So any help that uh, you may be able to offer, that'd be great. In regards to women in cello music, just let it be known that I'm not done with it. Um, I jump around a lot, and that really sums up my whole life. I jump around, and it's hard for me to stick with anything. So I do have more plans for it. Now, eventually, there will be a special video involving the Louise Ferenc cello sonata in B-flat major, with a real pianist and none of that midi nonsense so i i'm looking forward to that i just don't know exactly when it's going to happen so please keep an eye out for uh, a video post here are a couple of ways uh, that you can help this project out and my aspirations okay number one you just listen to the podcast like i've already mentioned you push play, start making supper, you're taking a shower, you, 
I don't know, maybe you were even vacuuming, so you don't even hear it, but at least it'll be a play for me and it'll be a win for me because it the statistics re, re, um, reflect that. Number two, uh, please tell your friends. Send them a link of my podcast or an episode that you specifically thought was interesting and uh, tell them they can listen to it while they're vacuuming or driving the car or out running. Um, you could even go as far if you feel like you have the the desire and the financial means, sponsor an episode. I mean, any amount is welcome. Uh, I was thinking something like $5 or more. And then the last one is maybe you know a company or a brand that is looking to sponsor a very small-scale production with very, very few views. Uh, send me a message. I would really like to hear about it. Thanks so much for listening and watching my content, those of you. Uh, this literally started with only my family and friends watching and listening. And uh, I've heard uh, that there are people that are outside of my close circle that are listening occasionally or even regularly. And thank you very much for that. Here we go, the viola da gamba, precursor to the violoncello. This is episode 28. So it's going to go down in format something like this. Uh, I am going over the introduction to this book called The Violoncello and Its History by Joseph Vasilevsky. I've picked out some points that are of interest to me, and I think they are salient to the topic at hand. So the introduction to the violoncello and its history by Vasilevsky uses 43 pages to set the stage for the cello. There's mention of the family of viol instruments in the early 1500s. Tuning was a matter of how much tension the highest string could take without breaking. Now the bass viol was played in a similar posture as the cello. Um, it had more strings than a cello, and it, it sounded much different. Uh, the strings were much more flat, so it was not possible to press very hard. And uh, that helped result in giving it a more resonant, softer sound. Solo playing was actually cultivated, and there are many reports of how good some of these solo gamba players were. And there were many, many, many viola da gambists that were working at uh, perfecting the art of the gamba and who wrote just a myriad of compositions. There are just thousands upon thousands of such works. In the gamba's time, the suite was a very common large frame for a structure of a composition in which there were many, many movements. And um, this is a little different from by the time we get into Bach's day, the 1700s. You know, he wrote uh, those six suites for cello in which there's a prelude and then five dance movements. Um, in the Gambus time, 
There were many more movements than that, uh, which included not only a prelude, but in some cases, more than one prelude. And the types of music that were written for the gamba are varied and numerous. Uh, we have dances like alamans, corants, sarabans, jigs, gavats, menuets. There are berets, chacones, pasakais, variations, rondos, arias, or arias, canzon, alabreve, fugues, overtures, preludes, toccatas, caprices, pavans, galliards. I mean, just very colorful time in history. The viola da gamba enjoyed prominence for nearly 300 years before being replaced by the cello uh, over the course of the late 17th and early 18th centuries. Uh, by the time the most well-known accomplished gamba player died in the 1700s, that is, he died in 1787, his instrument was very clearly already surpassed in popularity by the cello. And uh, the number of treaties, uh, method books written about the cello really do attest to that, just that alone. So the cello was... It already known to exist uh, about the year 1641. Uh, it was mentioned in a publication in Italy in that year, and then a little later on in 1660, another publication refers to it as violoncino. Then in a set of sonatas of 1665, it is finally called or referred to as a violoncello. Um... But as he comments, Vasilevsky comments that cello or elo, ino, those are diminutive forms and uh, apparently represent very similar names. At first, the cello was, uh, as far as the building of the instrument, was modeled somewhat after the viola da gamba. Of course, they took the frets off and uh, they had sound holes that more closely resembled the letter F instead of uh, C. It also had an arched back, whereas gambas had flat backs. And then, of course, the bridge uh, and strings were altered quite a bit. The bridge was more arched, and the strings were reduced to four. Uh, the gambas came in many different sizes, and uh, the earliest cellos seem to have had two different sizes, a small size and a large one. And the large one was quite a bit larger and a little more unwieldy than the, the size, the full size as we know it today. But um, even Stradivarius made a large size. But unfortunately, a lot of those have been cut down to the normal size today. Uh, there were... So... Two very famous violin makers, Jakob Steiner of Germany, didn't make cellos. He made gambas, but those the gambas that he made were often converted to cellos. Um, and then Stradivarius, of course, who is arguably the most famous violin slash cello maker, uh, standardized the dimensions of the cello. So... He made two different sizes, but he standardized what they look like, how they make instruments, and uh, his 
cellos are modeled very often these days. Now regarding the music selections of mostly viola da gamba music, I chose a pavan by John Dowland. His dates are 1563 to 1626. This pavan was written for five viols. I chose to omit one of the viols, and uh, to some that might be sacrilege, but you know, we're living in arrangement heaven. Um, this is just very common practice. People arrange stuff throughout history. Then there's a galliard that Thomas Simpson did. Now, I didn't record it. I wish I had the time, because this galliard is the same melody, but it's in 3-2 time. The meter is 3-2, whereas the pavan by Dowland is in 4-4 um, four, four time. Very, very interesting comparison. And uh, I might do a special episode uh, just on comparing... There's a whole book of these where John Dowland writes pavans and Thomas Simpson writes galliards. Then there's uh, Christopher Simpson, who I believe was the son or a son of the Thomas Simpson mentioned earlier. He wrote a piece called 13 Divisions or Variations for Viol and Basso Continuo. Uh, I've chosen the theme and a couple of variations and only played the cello part. Moran Marais, 1656 to 1728, an extremely famous and uh, well-accomplished um, gamba player who wrote lots of music for his instrument and uh, concertized quite a lot. Here's a folia that was for viol and basso continuo.
Then there's a Johann Schenk, 1660-1716. He wrote a suite in A minor. I've chosen a preludium, which is for viola and basso continuo, and I played only the basso part. It was uh, originally published in a collection called Scherzi Musicali in Two. First, Johann Matheson, 1681 to 1772. There's a Sarabande, this is a transcription. And then uh, Arcangelo Corelli, 1653 to 1713, wrote a jig, and uh, this is also a transcription. And I've included uh, these two just to give you a little bit more feel of what the, the music scene was becoming as the cello became more and more prominent toward the uh, beginning of the 1700s. selections that I've chosen really span a time frame of about 200 years from the height of the viola da gamba playing and composition to its decline and transition to the cello. There, as I've said, there are dances and variations, preludes, folias, um, and of course all of these pieces of music are transcriptions because I don't play viola da gamba. It's a very different instrument. For one, the, the strong uh, bow stroke is an up bow, whereas the strong bow stroke is a down bow on the cello. And that's just one example of many. I've tried playing gamba before. It's a fun instrument and fabulous uh, to, to try out, but it is it takes some real getting used to. I mean, when you're used to four strings and you go to six or seven strings, quite a difference. And they're tuned in fourths, and I think one set is a third. Uh, transcribing is a piece of cake. You really just go from alto clef to bass clef, and even sometimes the basso continuo, uh, the viola da gamba is written in bass clef for part of it anyway. So, I mean, it's in the range of the cello, except for a few low notes in the basso continuo. I think it can go to, let's see, a B and an A below C. What I find interesting is that most people will say, that really sounds like early music. That doesn't sound like music we're accustomed to playing or, or listening to. 
And uh, indeed, it's, it's got a very unique flavor, very unique sound. Harmony, rhythm. I mean, this pavan, if you listen to it, really does sound like the, the late Renaissance, early Baroque. So the folia, the Quran, the saraband, this is sounds like old music, but it's it's harmonically and rhythmically something a little more familiar to our ears, and we can say, oh yeah, this this uh, we've heard this stuff before, and indeed, if you listen to Bach and uh, Vivaldi's music, uh, basically they utilize this sort of harmonic structure in everything they write. That does it for this episode. A little bit about something upcoming. Uh, as I've mentioned, uh, this is a 260-page book, so there's a lot of material. Upcoming, I'm planning on uh, going on and continuing with some excerpts. The next uh, part of the book is Cello in the 18th Century, and it's broken up into various countries. And, um, I mean, there's just so much information you could literally make an entire project and podcast just on this book gleaning from it this is the sort of thing that I'm really interested in and I, you know send me a message is there is there something that has specifically been interesting or intriguing, exciting to you um, send me an email um, maybe you like the, the episodes of mostly music where I feature music without talking over it or maybe you like the episodes more where I am playing background music and I never feature it except for at the very opening and ending I don't know, it'd be interesting to hear what you have to say anyway, that's it that's all for now I really hope you've enjoyed listening Please do send your comments, email, or click on that message button directly on anchor.fm forward slash forward forgotten cello music, and you can record a voice message and send it to me. Thanks for listening and for continuing to listen. As always, remember, play more forgotten cello music.